Chapter 1 Shermi was exhausted. This was the third night in a row that he was working a double shift, and he didn't think he'd gotten more than twelve hours of sleep in that time. He just wanted to go home, eat a hot meal, and sleep for a week. He kept working though. He had to. He had a new son, and a wife living on the other side of the country, waiting for him to save enough to join her. He was almost there, but it had been a tiring past few weeks. When they'd first gotten married, Shermie and Olivia had told themselves that they would take it slow. They would live in a small apartment in New Jersey until they'd saved enough to get a place of their own, and then they would talk about starting a family. And then Olivia got pregnant. They loved Alex with everything they had, but they hadn't been ready for him. The pregnancy had been hard on Olivia, and she couldn't work for the last five months of it. Shortly after Alex was born, Olivia got a job offer. They'd been thinking of moving to the West Coast, and she'd looked for apprenticeships there, but they hadn't imagined that it would pan out so soon. This apprenticeship would open a lot of doors for her in the future, and it was something she couldn't pass up. So while Olivia went to California, Shermie and Alex stayed behind. He worked more hours, and his mom helped with the baby. It wasn't an ideal situation. Shermie was sick of Jersey, and he missed his wife. He was tired all the time, and most days it was tempting to accept his mom's offer to watch Alex full-time, just so he could get some sleep. But Shermie knew how slippery a slope it could be for a father. He'd seen it on his own. It had started with his dad claiming to be too tired after work to put Shermie to bed, and after years it had developed to a point that it was nothing short of neglect. Shermie was determined not to be like his father. He would wake up to deal with the baby. He'd change the diapers, and deal with the messes, and the scraped knees, and the bad dreams. He would be a dad that his son knew he could count on. Even if it meant feeling like a dead man walking. Shermie groaned and sunk into a chair in the break room. He had twenty minutes to eat something and rest his feet, but then he had another four hours left in his shift. It felt like forever, and seemed impossible. The only thing keeping him going was that he was more than halfway through the night, and if he could get this far then he could see it through. His family was counting on him. He couldn't let them down. Besides, he didn't work tomorrow morning, and if Alex had a good night, then maybe he could sleep in. Wouldn't that be nice? Shermie had just been sitting for a few minutes when his supervisor walked into the room. He made eye contact with Shermie, and he was terrified that he was going to be asked to take on another shift, or that he would be told that he had forgotten something and needed to go right back to work. Pines, his supervisor said. He didn't look mad or apologetic, but there was a look in his eyes that made Shermie cautious. There's a call for you in the office. Feeling even more dread than he had when he thought there was more work to do, Shermie hurried to his boss's office. He was terrified of who was calling him. People didn't call his work for a casual chat. If they were calling him at work, it was serious. He could think of only a handful of people who it could be, and none of the situations were good. His boss was gracious enough to allow him privacy as he answered the phone. Hello. 
Shermie tried to keep his panic out of his tone. Sherman Pine speaking. He heard harsh breathing on the other end, and what sounded like a choked sob. His fear grew as he waited for the other person to calm down enough to speak. S. Shermie. He heard the shaky and vulnerable voice of his youngest brother. Stan. Shermie clutched the phone tightly. Are you okay? Are you hurt? Is something wrong? I messed up. Stan said desperately. He sounded like he was crying. Shermie couldn't remember the last time he'd seen Stan cry. I messed up, and Ford hates me, and Dad Dash, Stan trailed off with a whimper. I don't know what to do, Sherm. What am I supposed to do? Stan cried. Stan, calm down. Shermie said. His brother was breathing so harshly that he sounded like he was going to faint. You need to breathe. I can't dash. You can. Shermie said insistently. He sat down. Now, are you at a bar? Or a police station? It wouldn't be the first time that Stan had snuck into a bar or a party that he was too young for. It wouldn't even be the first time that he'd been brought in by the police. Shermie was always the one to bail him out and cover for him, because Stan was terrified of what their parents would do. Shermie would rather his brother not get in trouble at all, but if he did, he wanted Stan to know that he could always call him. He needed his brother to know that he had a lifeline if he got in too deep. No. Stan said, and Shermie immediately felt a weight off his shoulders. Stan was obviously in trouble, but at least it was probably just with their family. What happened? Shermie asked, because he still has no clue. To his alarm, Stan started to outright bawl as he rambled on about something. Shermie was able to catch the words Ford, school, pa, and money, but that was about it. Still, Shermie had an idea of what had happened, and he was surprised it hadn't happened sooner. Did you and Ford get into a fight? Shermie asked tiredly. Stan made a sound of confirmation, and Shermie barely refrained from groaning. He'd seen this coming. Things had been getting more and more tense between Stan and Ford this past year, though they would both deny it. It has been especially bad these past few weeks. Shermie had just been waiting for the other pin to drop, and apparently it finally had. Okay, here's what you're going to do. Shermie said. Go home. He knew Stan had to be out and about, because he wouldn't dare be so emotional when there was the possibility that Pa could hear him. Stan made a wounded sound. I can't. Stan, I know you think you can take care of yourself, but it's getting late, and the streets are dangerous for anybody at night. Especially someone who's alone. Stan was quiet for a long moment, save for his gasping breaths. See can I stay at your place tonight? Pee please. Shermie froze when he heard that word. He knew how much Stan hated it. He had to be beyond desperate. Shermie wanted to agree. In fact, he had almost made the offer himself. There had been a number of times when Stan, for one reason or another, felt that he had to spend the night out of the house. Shermie always used to invite him to his apartment, 
just so he could know that his brother had a roof over his head, a hot meal, and a listening ear when he calmed down. He thought it was good for Stan. Their parents disagreed. Ma scolded Shermie for encouraging Stan's bad habits. Pa scoffed and said that he was coddling Stan. Normally, Shermie wouldn't care what his parents said. He could handle their disappointment. Right now though, he couldn't risk it. Ma did so much to take care of Alex. And Pa was paying a third of Shermie's rent, albeit reluctantly and with the understanding that it would be paid back with interest. Shermie was relying on his parents, and so were Olivia and Alex. He couldn't afford to risk getting on their bad side. I can't, Shermie said reluctantly. He hated the sobbing sound that Stan made at his denial. I'll tell you what, Shermie said, just to get his younger brother to stop crying. Go home. Sleep on the couch if you can't face Ford, or bunk in my old room. I'm sure Ma and Alex wouldn't mind sharing. Pa didn't like to be woken by the baby, so Shermie's old room had been turned into a makeshift nursery. Ma stayed there with Alex most nights. Shermie was sure she would be happy to let Stan take her place for the night. In the morning, I'll take you to that diner that Pa hates. Shermie said. He didn't really want to spend that kind of money, but more than that he didn't want to hear his little brother cry like his world was falling apart around him. We can talk more then, okay? Just one night. Stan said in his bargaining tone, desperate to make a deal. I can just stay one night. You won't even know I'm there. A and then I'll be out of your hair. Shermie felt bad for Stan, but he was also getting annoyed with him. Why did he have to be so stubborn? Was he really so scared of facing Ford that he would rather bury his head and hide from his problems than actually face them? Stanley, you're not staying with me tonight. Shermie said in a stern tone of voice that he hated, because it reminded him of Pa, I can't hold your hand and fight your battles for you forever. Shermie was tired. There were only a few minutes left in his break, and he felt more drained than he had when he started. I can't keep cleaning up your messes for you. Shermie said more harshly than he intended. Why can't you just grow up and take responsibility for once? The only response Shermie got was the sound of muffled crying, like Stan had put a hand over his mouth in a vain attempt to keep himself quiet. Shermie felt his frustration fade away, replaced with guilt. Stan didn't cry often, but he'd never felt the need to hide it from Shermie like this. He felt a twist in his gut at the thought that Stan was doing the same thing he would do if he was talking to Pa. I'm sorry. Shermie said. Look, I have some candy stashed under Alex's bed. Help yourself, and we'll talk over breakfast tomorrow. Okay. Stan didn't answer. He was still trying to force himself to calm down, but Shermie needed a response. He needed to know that his brother knew he wasn't mad at him. Stan. Goodbye, Shermie. Stan said tearfully, and then he hung up. Shermie stared at the phone for a long minute before he sighed and set it down. He stood up, kicking himself for how he'd handled this. He was too old to be playing mediator for his little brothers. More than that, 
he was too young to deal with a distressed 17-year-old. He made himself go back to work. He was hungry, but his guilt was stronger. Stan had sounded so defeated and hopeless when he'd hung up. That wasn't like him. He was supposed to fight and complain. Not give up. Shermie went through the motions at work. He just thought of how he was supposed to make it up to Stan. He still didn't really know what was wrong. Being the oldest was tiring. He wanted to not be in charge of fixing every little thing his brothers struggled with. At the same time, he really wanted to take away all of their burdens and give them the easiest life possible. The four hours passed slowly, but in a blur. Eventually, Shermie clocked out and made his way back to his parents' place. He expected everybody to be asleep by this time, though he didn't think much of it when he saw the lights on. Ma could be taking care of Alex, or Stan might have stayed up. Shermie trudged inside, half asleep. He didn't even notice that Stan's car was not parked in the street. He went through the pawn shop, making sure to lock the door behind him, and he went up the stairs to his family's home. He heard his family before he saw them. Ma was yelling. Pa was shouting. He could hear Alex crying in the other room. Shermie suddenly felt wide awake. Something was very wrong. Ma. Shermie approached her cautiously. Did something happen? Shermie. She looked at him like he was her saving grace, and Shermie just knew that he was going to let her down. Is Stanley with you? Did you find him? Please, tell me my free spirit's okay. You'd better not be hiding him at your place. Pa said. That ingrate has leached off of our family for long enough. He's not a leech. Ma turned back to Pa, fire in her eyes. He's your son. Not anymore. Pa said heartlessly. Ma cried and hit his chest. Shermie just stood there, his blood like ice. Where's Stan? Shermie whispered. Where's my brother? What did you do to him? No less than he deserved. Pa said. He broke your brother's project, ruining this family's chances of getting out of this dump. Your father kicked him out. Ma said. Now my little boy's on the streets, with no home, and no food. He won't make it out there. H he's gone. Shermie felt like he couldn't breathe. Stan's words were echoing in his head. I messed up. I don't know what to do. Can I stay at your place tonight? I'll be out of your hair. Goodbye. Shermie's heart broke. Stan hadn't called because he and Ford got in a fight. He had called because he'd been kicked to the curb, and he was still just a kid. Stan had asked him for help, and Shermie had denied him. He refused him a place to stay, and told Stan that he needed to grow up. If Shermie had known, he never would have pushed him away. He would have insisted that Stan stay with him, not just for the night, but for the foreseeable future. He would have made sure that Stan was taken care of, and that he knew he was loved. But it was too late. Stan was gone, and probably under the impression that nobody even cared. No. Shermie let out an agonized cry.
He ran back outside, almost tripping down the stairs in his hurry to get out. He blinked the tears out of his eyes as he looked around the street. Stanley! Shermie shouted, not caring at all that he might wake the neighbors. Stan! He called out for his brother, running all around the neighborhood to look for him. He drove down to the beach to see if Stan was sleeping in that old boat of theirs. He returned to his own apartment, just in case his brother had taken refuge there anyway. He didn't find his brother. Not even a sign of him. Shermie considered going to the police and having them search for him, but he knew Stan. His brother would think that the cops were after him because he was in trouble, not because he was a kid who wasn't safe by himself. Stan would do something stupid and dangerous to get away from the police, and Shermie didn't want to push him to that. So after searching for hours, until it was almost dawn, Shermie went back to his parents' place. He felt numb and defeated, and wished he could take back everything he had done. His parents weren't fighting in the kitchen anymore. His ma was asleep on the couch, probably having waited up all night for Stan. Knowing Pa, he'd probably gone to bed. Shermie made his way to Alex's room to find the lamp on. Ford was sitting in the chair next to the crib, holding Alex close. There was a distant, almost numb look in his eyes. You didn't find him. Ford said quietly. His voice was raw and empty, like he'd been drained of all his emotion. Shermie understood the feeling. I'm sorry. Shermie said. Ford shook his head. It doesn't matter anymore. Ford said. None of it matters. Shermie didn't know if he was saying that Stan's absence didn't matter, or that nothing else. Mattered now that his twin and best friend was gone. He didn't know which option was worse. Ford wasn't crying, but Shermie knew that he was devastated. His dreams were ruined and his brother was gone. Shermie knew that Ford would be able to jump back from this, but that knowledge didn't diminish his very real pain. Shermie put a hand on Ford's shoulder. You're going to be okay, kiddo. I promise. He would personally see to it that Ford was okay. He swore right then and there that if his brother reached out to him for help, no matter when or where, he would drop everything and hurry to his side. Shermie had failed his baby brother. He wasn't going to make that mistake again. Chapter 2 When Shermie was younger he had thought that he and his brothers would become more distant as they grew older. Not in a bad way, but in a natural, we all have our own lives way. He was sure they would still have a good and civil relationship though. They would see each other for holidays, call each other every two or three weeks, and visit each other in the summer or something. But life didn't go the way that one thought. Shermie hadn't heard a word from his youngest brother in ten years, and he called Ford every single week, without fail. He'd failed Stanley because he hadn't made himself available to listen when he needed help. He refused to let the same thing happen with Ford. So Shermie went out of his way to reach out to Ford, even when it was clear that his brother didn't want to talk to him. Ford had always had an independent spirit, and that stubbornness and pride had gotten stronger when Stan was no longer there to accidentally rein him in. But as independent as Ford was, he was still just one person, 
and people could only get so far without a support system there. Stan had been the best at encouraging Ford to push himself without letting him take things too far, but because of the nature of their relationship, his efforts had just exacerbated the problem. Ford thought that Stan's encouragement was empty platitudes. As for the few times when Stan, in his own special way, had asked him to think twice before acting, Ford would get defensive, thinking his intelligence was being called into question, and he would buckle down. Stan knew what Ford needed, but he hadn't been able to figure out how to say it in a way that would be accepted. Not that Shermie blamed either of his brothers for what happened. They were both knuckleheads, but neither of them deserved this. Shermie tried to find a balance. He wasn't the best at it, but after ten years of this nonsense, he liked to think that he'd gotten pretty good at it. He didn't call Ford every day, as much as he wanted to. He made sure to call at a scheduled time so that Ford could set an alarm and be ready for him. He wasn't always happy about being called away from his studies, and sometimes Ford only had the patience to talk for a minute or two, just to say that he was fine, and busy, and they would talk more next time. It wasn't a lot, but it could be a lot worse. The best part about their conversations was that Ford at least understood that, should he need anything, he could talk to Shermie about it, with no judgment. Ford didn't often ask for help, but there had been a handful of times. He'd gone to visit Ford to congratulate and celebrate with him when he'd gotten his first PhD and wanted recognition without dealing with Ma's smothering or Pa's higher expectations. When Ford got sick the week before finals, Shermie spent a few days with him to make sure he got some rest, and to help him study as much as he could. When Ford school closed for the winter holidays and they didn't allow any students to stay on campus for two weeks in December, he stayed with Shermie in California. And when Ford first moved to Gravity Falls and he needed to wait for his cabin to be built, he temporarily lived with Shermie, and then borrowed his car to drive back to Gravity Falls every weekend to familiarize himself with the area and oversee the progress of his home. Ford had settled himself in Gravity Falls years ago, and he hadn't needed much help since then. Shermie just felt better knowing that his brother lived so close, and that Ford knew that if he needed anything, he shouldn't hesitate to call. Shermie had both been hoping for and dreading such a call. On one hand, he didn't want to find out that his brother was in trouble. On the other hand, he had the bad feeling that something was incredibly wrong, and had been for a while. If Ford was struggling, he'd rather his brother not go through it alone. It was the middle of the night. Shermie was woken up by the sound of the phone ringing. He wanted to roll over and go back to sleep, but he couldn't forget his concern about his brother. It wouldn't be the first time that Ford called in the middle of the night. He sat up and went to answer the phone. Hello. He looked at Olivia, fast asleep next to him. That you, Ford? He heard harsh breathing on the other end and a choked sound that seemed like it couldn't decide whether it wanted to be a broken laugh or a sob. Shermie was reminded far too much of the last time he'd talked to Stan. Suddenly feeling wide awake and anxious, Shermie clutched the phone tighter in his hand. Ford, are you okay? Shermie forced himself to stay calm, even though he felt like breaking down himself. What's wrong? I I am fine. 
That was definitely Ford's voice. I just, can you just talk? Distract me or something. P please. He sounded like he was on the verge of a panic attack. Ford had always been tense and anxious as a child, but he had been pretty good at working through his nervous energy. That has changed these past few weeks. Every time they talked, Ford sounded like he was breaking at the seams, barely holding himself together. He wouldn't tell Shermie just what was wrong, just that he'd messed up and couldn't begin to make things right. Uh, yeah, sure. Shermie said. He thought that what Ford needed was help with his problems, not a distraction from this clearly ongoing issue. But he was scared of pushing his brother when he wasn't ready to hear it. So instead Shermie did as he was asked. He talked to Ford about how his work was going, and the nonsense that Alex got into at school. Ford chuckled almost manically when Shermie got to a part of the story that was only relatively funny. He interrupted and asked clarifying questions. Shermie was reminded of when they were younger, when Stan and Ford watched a movie that was too scary for them, and they wouldn't stop pestering him because they were too scared to try to go to sleep. Shermie started paying attention to Ford's tonal inflections. His brother always sounded tired, which was why he hadn't noticed it before, but the exhaustion in his voice was worse than before. Stanford, when was the last time you got any sleep? Shermie asked. Ford let out another chuckling sob. Shermie frowned. Ford. I don't know. His younger brother made a broken sound. I, I lost track. Shermie sighed and rubbed his hand over his face. Ford dash. I can't. Ford said desperately. I can't sleep. You don't, you don't understand. Hill, I can't let him, he's always watching me. Ford had never heard somebody sound so scared and desperate, on the verge of being delusional. He sounded so much like the people who used to call Ma's hotline, the people who had missing or dead loved ones, and they didn't know where else to turn. Hey, hey, Ford, it's okay. Shermie said gently. Just breathe for me, yeah. Take a deep breath in, and a deep breath out, Shermie spent the next several minutes talking Ford through breathing exercises that Alex's teacher had taught them. Anxiety ran in their family. Shermie could recognize that now, and he was doing what he could to encourage his family to deal with it in healthy ways. He wasn't going to be like his parents. No lying to himself about how serious the problem was, like Ma would always do. And definitely no telling his kid to suck it up and handle his issues like a man, the way that Pa used to. Shermie was going to encourage his son to have a healthy relationship with his feelings, and if Ford was receptive to something new, maybe he could help his brother too. Finally, Ford was breathing easily. He didn't sound like he was doing good, but he didn't sound like he was about to pass out. Are you okay? Shermie asked. Ford made an affirming sound. Okay, now I know I've asked this before, and I know you've said you're fine, but I'm going to ask again. Do you want me to come to Gravity Falls for a bit? Ford was quiet for a long time, and Shermie felt a surge of hope and dread. These past few weeks, when he'd asked that question, Ford had shut him down immediately. He was at least considering it now. 
just how bad had the situation gotten? I, I can't ask that of you. Ford said, though he sounded like he desperately wanted to. This is my mess. I can't burden you with it. Shermie had tried to tell him multiple times that family wasn't a burden. When that didn't work, Shermie had said that it was a burden he was more than happy to bear. Ford still didn't believe him, so Shermie, out of absolute desperation, had opened himself up to Ford. He told him that even if he was a burden, it was nowhere near as horrifying of a burden as the overwhelming guilt and fear he would feel if something happened to Ford when there was something he could have done to stop it. Shermie didn't mention the weight on his shoulders that he held for Stan. Mentioning their little brother was the fastest way to get Ford to shut down. Bro, if I don't check up on you, I won't be able to relax. I won't stop worrying about you. Not until I know you're okay. Shermie said. Ford sighed, and it sounded like one of relief as opposed to resignation. Oh okay. Ford said. Shermie felt like he could breath easily for the first time since he woke up. He got out of bed and started getting dressed. I can be there tomorrow afternoon. Shermie said. He flipped on the lamp and started packing a bag. Will you be okay until then? Ford made a sound that was hard to interpret. Can you at least try to get some sleep until I get there? Ford let out a sob. I, I can't. Shermie thought his brother would feel a lot better after a nap, but he didn't want to make him freak out again. Okay, okay, that's fine. Shermie assured him. What about food? Can you get food? I, I don't know. Ford said. I don't know if I have anything, and I can't leave. Then I'll pick something up for you on my way up. Shermie said. Just hang tight until I get there. Okay. Ford said shakily. Th thanks. Don't worry about it. Shermie said. Trust me, it's my pleasure. Being woken up in the middle of the night was much better than finding out that something terrible had happened to his brother. I'll see you soon. He hung up and ran his hands over his face. Olivia groaned and rolled over. Shermie, honey. What's wrong? That was Ford. Shermie leaned over and kissed her forehead. He needs help. I'm going to Gravity Falls for a few days, just to make sure he's okay. Olivia sat up. Do you want me to come? Shermie shook his head. She had a harder time getting time off of work than he did. Besides, if Ford was really in danger, he didn't know if he wanted his wife and kid involved. Shermie would check on his brother and see if he could convince him to come back to California with him. Go back to sleep. Shermie said. I'll be fine, and I'll make sure Ford's okay too. He finished packing a bag. Will you explain things to Alex? He didn't want to wake his boy, but he didn't want to wait several hours until morning either. I'll take care of it. Olivia said. Take care of you brother. She knew how protective he was of Ford, and she completely understood it. She knew how much family meant to Shermie, and she knew that his family was more than just her and Alex. Shermie put his shoes on, turned off the lamp, 
and took his bag downstairs. It was time to head out. He didn't like eating food first thing in the morning, so he'd grab something in a few hours when he got hungry. He started the now familiar drive to Oregon. Maybe it was dangerous, but he went through the motions as he drove. He was tired, and beyond worried about his brother. He had no idea what kind of danger Ford was in. All he knew was that he needed help. Shermie drove, only stopping for gas, restroom breaks, and food. The longest break he took was when he stopped to get some pizza for Ford. He had wanted to find somewhere that had New York style. It had been a comfort food for all of them when they'd been younger. Shermie didn't know if Ford would still like it, but it was quick, filling, and hopefully comforting food. He'd make sure to get Ford something more nourishing while he was there. Shermie drove up to the cabin, struggling with the snow. It was storming up here, and he didn't think his car would be able to handle too much of it. When he was close to the cabin he saw a car pulled over to the side of the road, looking snowed in. The red car looked even less ready for snow than his. If Shermie wasn't in such a hurry, he would stop and see if there was something he could do. His concern for his brother was stronger than his concern for a stranger. Swearing that he would double back and make sure the owner of this car was okay after he was sure that Ford was fine, he continued on to the cabin. The first thing he noticed was that someone was standing right in front of the front door. Shermie frowned and parked the car. He got out and slowly approached. The person's back was to him, but he could tell that they were tense. It seemed like they were trying to work up the nerve to knock. Shermie's first paranoid thought was that this person was a threat. He then noticed the threadbare boots and filthy, ill-fitted jacket they were wearing. They had snow piled on their shoulders. They'd been out in the storm for a long time, and clearly needed help. He remembered the car at the side of the road. Maybe this was the owner, and they had walked up here to ask to use a phone, or to just get out of the cold for a few minutes. Shermie's heart ached at even just the thought. Ford was his priority, but he couldn't ignore someone right in front of him who needed help. It wasn't quite as easy to ignore as just an abandoned car. Shermie approached the figure, who didn't even turn his way. He didn't think they'd noticed him at all. It sounded like they were talking to themselves. Their hands were raised, but they weren't knocking. Shermie cleared his throat, but he got no response. He sighed and put a hand on their arm. The person jolted and turned so quickly that they almost slipped on the slippery steps. Shermie reacted instinctively and tried to steady the other person, but they both just ended up falling to the ground. Shermie groaned. He landed on his ankle weirdly. It wasn't too bad, probably not even sprained, but it hurt, and the cold and wet of the snow on the ground was not a pleasant feeling. He opened his eyes to see if the stranger was okay, only to freeze when he saw that the stranger really wasn't a stranger at all. S. Stanley. His voice cracked as he felt something inside of him break. At the same time, he felt like a hole in his heart that had been missing for ten years had been filled. His baby brother just sat on the ground and stared blankly at him, like he didn't recognize him. It broke Shermie's heart. A very small part of him was worried that this wasn't actually Stan. 
that it was just a stranger with a very strong resemblance. This was his brother though. He knew it. He had to be. Shermi got to his feet, pushing past the pain. He reached a hand out, freezing when he saw Stan flinch and scramble back, like he was afraid of being hurt. For a long moment they both just stared at each other. Shermi's chest tightened and he could hardly breath. After ten years of wondering just what had happened to his younger brother, here he was, and he looked like he was about to run off at the smallest indication. Please, Stan, I'm not going to hurt you. Shermi said. It's just me. Stan looked vulnerable and far younger than 28. S. Shermi. That was all he needed. He fell back to the ground, uncaring about the snow, and wrapped his arms around his brother. Stan was tense for a long moment before he let out a shuddered sigh and leaned against him. Shermi held him close, refusing to ever let him go. Where have you been? Shermi pulled away just so he could get a closer look at his brother. Are you okay? I've, uh, been around. Stan said. It was dismissive, and Shermi noticed that he didn't answer the question about how he was. I guess Ford asked you to come. He called last night. Shermi said. Did he finally get over himself and reach out? Stan scoffed. Yeah, I guess he did. There was a dark look in his eyes. He must be really desperate, huh? Shermi hated the self-deprecation in his voice, but more than that he hated that his brother was probably right. Shermi and their man had been trying to convince Ford to just talk to Stan for ten years. It would take a lot to get him to change his mind after all this time, and he certainly seemed desperate now. Stan sighed, looking more drained than anything. Between the defeated look in his eyes and the sorry state of his clothes, Shermi was reminded of the homeless people he would see around whenever he went downtown. The people who had nothing, nobody, and nowhere to call home. I guess Ford's in trouble, isn't he? Stan asked quietly. Shermi grimaced. He thought that both of his brothers were in trouble. He wanted to help Stan and make sure he was okay, but this was ten years of damage, including broken trust. Shermi had spent all this time getting Ford to open up to him. He wouldn't hesitate to do the same with Stan, but he didn't have the time for that right now. Yeah, I guess he is. Shermi said. He stood up again, and this time when he reached a hand out to Stan his brother accepted it. Let's make sure he hasn't gotten in over his head. Shermi wrapped an arm around his brother's shoulder, both to support him, and to keep him from running off again. He knocked on the door, prepared to play the role of mediator between his brothers. What he wasn't prepared for was for the door to open and find himself face to face with a crossbow. Who is it? Have you come to steal my eyes? Maybe Ford was a little worse off than Shermi had first thought. It had been a long day, and Shermi didn't know if any of them could handle much more excitement. Knowing the Pines family luck, this was just the start. Chapter 3 Shermi had known that Ford was paranoid and anxious, but hearing it over the phone and seeing it in person were two completely different things. Ford questioned both him and Stan before he even let them in the house. He spoke. 
in hushed tones and looked around nervously, like he was worried that they were being watched. And then there was the state of his house. Ford had always been a messy person, too focused on writing out and exploring his ideas while they were in their head to bother stopping to organize and clean things up. But this cabin wasn't Ford's normal scattered, organized chaos. This was a disaster. Papers were everywhere, there were some clothes scattered around the floor, and the kitchen looked like it had never been cleaned. Shermie was also worried that Stan didn't seem to have noticed that there was a problem. He didn't blink twice at the mess, or make a passive-aggressive comment about it. Stan was acting like this was normal, and it had Shermie worried about the condition that Stan could have been living in. Did Stan think it was normal for someone to have all of their belongings in sight? Whether it be because they didn't have enough belongings for it to be a concern, they didn't have anywhere to put all their stuff, or they literally didn't have any time to tidy things up just a little bit. All options were concerning when it came to Stan. Shermie wished he knew what his little brother's life had been like. He wanted to talk about it, but Ford was rambling right now, and Stan was talking to him in a quiet, concerned voice. He had every right to be bitter, but Stan was easily sliding back into the role of caretaker. He wouldn't do that if he didn't think that something was seriously wrong. So Shermie would prioritize Ford, but keep an eye on Stan, because somebody had to. Ford brought them downstairs, into a secret basement. He never stopped talking, and Shermie wasn't paying attention to any of it. Ford's tone and his overly loquacious language was hard to follow, and it was all Shermie could do to just wonder why he was talking like this. Ford had always been so smart, but he usually dumbed things down and talked more casually. The exceptions were when he was nervous, and trying to use his smarts to hide it, or when he was angry, and using that big head to make the people around him feel like idiots. Shermie thought that the first one was the case this time, but he wouldn't be surprised if it was the second. After all, it had been ten years since Ford had reached out to Stan, and he'd been bitter this whole time. Shermie desperately hoped that his brother wasn't just trying to talk all fancy and confusingly because he wanted to make Stan feel like an idiot, or to prove to their baby brother just how well he was doing without him. If that was what Ford was doing, then whether he was in trouble or not, Shermie would knock some sense into that knucklehead brain of his. The basement was nothing and everything like what Shermie had expected. It didn't fit with the cozy isolated cabin feel of the rest of Ford's home, but it definitely suited his brother much more. Beeps and flashing lights that made Shermie feel like he had walked onto the set of a sci-fi movie. He would actually be concerned if Ford had a secret lab that didn't look like this. Although, there were a lot more triangles to be seen than Shermie had expected. They were led into a massive room with a big triangle thing that Ford called a transuniversal gateway. After hearing that, Shermie tuned everything Ford was saying out loud. This was just, this was a lot to take in. He hadn't come here to try to save the world, which he thought he'd heard Ford mention something about. He was here to save his brothers. But Stan wasn't talking about what was going on with him, and Ford was talking about problems that had to do with everything but his own personal issues. Shermie wanted to grab Ford by his shoulders and give him a good shake. He wanted to know why Ford had built a doomsday machine or something, only to prattle on about how dangerous it was.
why couldn't he have just made it less dangerous? Or just not made it at all? Why was he being so secretive? And who was it that was threatening Ford and scaring him so much? But Ford was talking to Stan. He was looking him in the eyes and actually talking to him, without glaring, or yelling, or mentioning that stupid school of his. Shermie knew this couldn't last, but he just wanted things to be okay between his brothers, so he said nothing and instead examined the portal. It looked like something that Ford would build, but there was something about it that felt so wrong. How could one person make something like this? And why? Was having an easy answer for all his questions really worth all this danger and paranoia? What had Ford been thinking? And why hadn't Shermie noticed before that something was wrong? Ford had been acting weird for weeks, but this portal and secret lab would have taken far longer than that to build. How could he have not noticed what his brother was up to all this time? All of a sudden, Shermie heard raised voices, and he turned back into the discussion between his brothers. They had been having a civil discussion one second, and the next they were arguing about everything that they had let come between them in ten years. The distance. Their dream of sailing the world. That stupid, stupid school. And, of course, the usual game of whose life is worse. Shermie wanted to stop the fight, but he thought that this was something that needed to happen. Sometimes people couldn't let go of something until they had the chance to get it off their chest. Ford had ranted about all these things. Before, but the only one he had wanted to say these to had been Stan. This was his chance. Maybe when he finally said it, he could finally leave it behind him. Shermie approached his arguing brothers, ready to step in should things get out of line or physical. In the meantime, he tried to figure out if there was a way he could mediate this conversation without shutting his two brothers down and making either of them feel like they weren't being heard. Just as quickly as things escalated into an argument, they became a fight. Shermie wasn't at his brother's side yet when Stan threatened to burn Ford's book, and Ford freaked out. Between the two of them, Shermie had thought that Stan would start a fight with a punch. Ford was either angrier or more desperate than he thought, because he actually tackled his twin, pushing both of them to the ground. Ford scrambled to his feet first, reaching for that dumb book of his like it was a priceless treasure. Stanford. Shermie grabbed his brother's arm and pulled him back. What in the world are you doing? While Shermie had Ford in his grip, Stanley got up and dashed for that book. Something that he actually couldn't care less about. He was just going after it out of spite. Shermie knew Stan. He knew that he might light the book on fire, but then he'd immediately feel guilty and put it out. The book cover was thick enough that it should be just fine. It could take a few scorch marks. Ford was either so protective of his research that he didn't want to risk it, or he didn't really trust Stan anymore. Stanley, no. My book. Ford squirmed to get out of his grip, and in doing so he accidentally kicked Shermie's twisted ankle. He grunted in pain and let his brother go. Ford ran into the other room after Stan. Shermie groaned. Frustrated. How was it that he had ended up with the most stubborn, stupid brothers? He would do anything to help them, but they weren't making it easy. 
Shermi heard a whirring sound and the entire room seemed to light up. He looked over his shoulder to see the portal glowing and turning on. He had a very bad feeling about this. Ford. Shermi tore his gaze from the portal. He could still hear his brothers yelling and shoving each other into machinery. Guys. He heard a horrifying sound that he was sure would haunt his dreams. A scream of pain, and it felt like it lasted forever. Shermi hadn't heard this scream in more than ten years, but he still recognized it all too well. Stan. Shermi ran to the door, despite the burning pain in his ankle. Ford was standing in the doorway, looking anxious and rambling apologies. He was the least of Shermi's concerns right now. He pushed Ford aside and reached out to Stan just as his brother lurched to his feet and lunged forward, his fist pulled back. Shermi didn't flinch back or try to block a hit. He met Stan head-on and wrapped his arms around him, pulling him into a hug. Stan's body was so tense, but the second he was in Shermi's arms he seemed to have all of his fight drained out of him. Stan leaned against him, whimpering. Stan seemed to lose complete control and his legs didn't want to support him anymore. He would have collapsed to the ground if Shermi didn't catch him. Hang on, Lei. Shermi's voice shook. Hang on. You, you're going to be okay, yeah. Look at me and tell me you know you're going to be okay. Stan didn't lift his head, or groan in acknowledgement. His body seemed to grow more limp, and Shermi could only support him for so long. He lowered his brother to the ground, kneeling next to him and having Stan rest his head on his legs. Shermi got a good look at Stan's back, and he was horrified to see the bright red on his shoulder. It looked like a second or even third degree burn, but the part that made Shermi feel like he was going to be sick was that though there was a large area that was burned, he could see a distinct pattern burned into the skin. A pattern that Shermi could see out of the corner of his eyes on one of the machines here. A bright red, burning hot symbol. Stan had been branded. Shermi blinked back tears. He couldn't afford to get upset right now. Stan was burned and either unconscious or pretty close to it. He could hear Ford behind him hyperventilating. Shermi was the older brother here. He needed to be the strong one. That was his job. He took a deep breath and brushed Stan's long hair away from the burn. It didn't look like his jacket or shirt had melted into his skin, which Shermi couldn't be more grateful for. That was one less problem to deal with, and about a thousand others to think of. It was hard to focus, and hearing Ford freaking out behind him was not helping. Ford, calm down. Shermi said. He reluctantly turned his gaze away from Stan to look back at Ford, only to see that he was leaning over his missions, pushing buttons and talking to himself frantically. Stanford. The portal. I have to, I have to turn it off. Ford sounded like he was about to faint. Shermi would normally feel bad for him and try to calm him down, but he was beyond sympathy for Ford. Stanford. Shermi raised his voice, not quite shouting, but certainly firm. Help me. No, I need to do this. Ford said. I can't let it turn on. I can't, I can't. I have to do this. 
Shermie knew that Ford was very single-minded about things. He also knew that Ford had a habit of avoiding thinking about problems he didn't know how to fix by hyper-focusing on things he thought he had some control over. Him working on the portal could just be a defense mechanism because he wasn't ready to process the fact that Stan was injured. Shermie understood this, but he had no patience for it right now. Stanford Philbrick Pines, listen to me. Shermie shouted. Ford flinched, but didn't look back towards him. The portal is dangerous. Ford said. You want to know what else is dangerous? Shermie hissed. A third-degree burn when the closest hospital is two towns away, and we can't leave this cabin thanks to the blizzard. Ford shuddered and stopped playing with his machinery. Shermie took a deep breath and continued in a quieter, but still firm tone. We're all Stan has right now. Shermie said. If we don't get this burn taken care of, it'll get infected, and Stan could get seriously sick. Please, help me. Ford was still for a long moment before he slammed his hands on the machinery and turned towards Shermie. W what can I do? Ford asked. Shermie was surprised, but exceptionally grateful that Ford was willing to divert his focus. Do you have a first aid kit or something to treat a burn? Shermie asked. And somewhere comfortable and clean for Stan to rest? Yeah, yeah. Ford stood up. Did Fiddleford's room is cleaner than mine. It might be dusty, but I can switch out the sheets. His gaze was kinda glazed over, but Shermie knew that his brother was completely focused. He was pushing down his emotions and trying to think about this as logically as he could. Shermie always worried a little when Ford did this, but he couldn't help but appreciate it. Lead the way. Shermie grabbed Stan and, after some struggling, got him into position for a fireman's carry. Stan looked like a hefty guy, but he weighed less than Shermie expected. It was concerning, but it was something he would have to put on the back burner. One problem at a time. Ford took one last look at the portal before leaving the room, but he went to the elevator anyway. Shermie didn't exactly feel guilty, but he felt bad. Will the portal be okay until we get Stan taken care of? Ford swallowed thickly. I don't like it, but yes. It's not technically activated yet. It's just charging. As long as nobody turns it on, it should be fine for a little bit. That made Shermie feel better. I'll help you take care of the portal. Shermie said. Just, let's take care of Stan. They went back upstairs and Ford led him to a small bedroom that clearly didn't belong to him. Ford took some books off the bed, dropping them carelessly on the ground, and helped Shermie lay Stan down on it. Tell me where the sheets are. Shermie said. I'll get them while you get the first aid stuff. He didn't want to leave Stan alone for a second, but it would be. Faster this way. The sooner they had things gathered, the sooner they could take care of their little brother. Ford took Shermie to a closet near the front door. They're right in here. As soon as he showed him, Ford ran off to get the things they needed. Shermie grabbed the sheets, and then he remembered something in the car that might come in handy. Alex had started scouts the previous year, 
and Shermi thought he had his handbook in the car. There was all sorts of useful information about survival and injuries. There had to be something about burns in there. Sheets in hand, Shermi went outside. He went to his car and grabbed the book from the back seat. Thank goodness for Alex leaving his things everywhere. At the last second Shermi grabbed the cold box of pizza and bag of food he had grabbed on the way up here. That had felt so long ago. He was hungry though, and he knew his brothers had to be starving. For all he knew, for Stan, it was literal. Shermi wasn't in the mood for pizza, but he knew they needed to eat something. They wouldn't be at their best if they were hungry. He returned to the room where Stan was. He set the food and scout book on the desk and brought the sheet to the bed. It would be too much effort to completely strip the bed right now, so Shermi instead just laid the clean sheet under his brother. It would have to be good enough for now. Ford returned within a few minutes, a large duffel bag in his arms. I scratched myself pretty badly once about a year ago. We got it taken care of okay, but after that fiddle Ford insisted on having an extensive first aid kit. I thought it was overkill, but, well, I'm glad for it now. So am I. Shermi said. Ford put the duffel bag on the ground and started digging through it. His hands were shaking. Shermi sighed and put his hand on. His shoulder. Ford, slow down. I'll take care of it. Sit down, take some deep breaths, have at least two slices of pizza, and then come back to this with a clear head. Ford's shoulders started trembling too, and it took Shermi a long moment to realize that he was sobbing. I, I have to fix this. Ford said. This is my fault. It's all my fault. I didn't want to, I never meant to. He choked on a sob and lowered his head, curling in on himself. I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't, I don't, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, Ford, it's okay. Shermie knelt and hugged his brother from behind. Ford leaned back into him. These things happen sometimes. He would definitely be having stern words with Ford about what had happened, but that could wait until they had all calmed down and were okay. I just keep messing things up. Ford said, sounding far too young and vulnerable. I feel like everything I touch just turns into a disaster. Shermie had remembered Stan saying similar things when they were younger. It broke Shermie's heart that as different as his brothers were, this was what they had most in common. Shermie knew that Ford didn't mess everything up, and neither did Stan. It would be hard to convince him of that right now though. He had to try a different strategy. Well, that's what family's for, isn't it? Shermie said quietly. Helping you when you dig yourself in too deep. He gave Ford a tight hug. You can't be so hard on yourself. You can't keep blaming yourself for every little thing that goes wrong. Even if a doomsday device and branding his brother's shoulder were undoubtedly really big things that had gone wrong. You need to forgive. Yourself, and try to fix things. But you can't fix anything if you don't take care of yourself. Shermi stood up, pulling Ford to his feet. Just give yourself a few minutes. That's all I ask. 
And then you can help me take care of Stan. Fair enough. Ford bit his lip and slowly nodded. Shermie breathed a sigh of relief. He gave Ford one more hug before dragging him to a chair. Five minutes, and then I'm helping. Ford said. Shermie smiled and shoved a piece of pizza into his hands. I can handle that. Shermie said. And hey, Stan's going to be okay, and so are you. How do you know? Ford asked, just like he would when they were small children. Shermie chuckled, having the same response. Because I'm your big brother. Shermie said. It's my job to know. Ford didn't laugh, but he gave a small smile. It was a step in the right direction. Shermie picked up the scout book and handed it to his brother. Here. See if there's anything in there that can help. There was a lot of information in that book. Ford was great at digging through things like that. Maybe if he felt like he was being useful, he'd be more willing to take it easy. While Ford rested, Shermie knelt in front of the duffel bag and dug through it, pulling out antibiotics, burn cream, bandages, and pain relievers. It was something to start with. It was still early mid-afternoon, but Shermie could already tell that they would have a long night ahead of them. Chapter 4 Stan slept for the rest of the day and into the night. Shermie was concerned, but he was trying really hard to not freak out. They'd cleaned the burn, and the inflammation had started to die down ever so slightly. Ford was pretty confident that they'd be able to prevent infection, as long as they kept a close eye on it. Ford said that Stan had always had a really strong immune system, so he would be just fine. Shermie knew that Ford was trying really hard to keep calm, and convincing himself that everything was fine and under control was his way of not freaking out. He would let Ford deceive himself until it couldn't be ignored anymore, but Shermie was a lot more pessimistic, because he didn't think this was just about the burn. Shermie took his turn looking over the scout's book, and he found some very simple information about malnourishment, dehydration, and frostbite. While Ford went downstairs for some more blankets, Shermie carefully looked over his youngest brother. While Stan was unconscious, it was hard to judge whether he was malnourished or not. His skin was flushed, and his heart rate was high, which could be because of the burn, but could also be a sign that he was dehydrated or sick. Ford had said that infection wouldn't set in this quickly, but Shermie was worried that his brother was sick because of another reason. Who knew what his life had been like before he'd come here? Shermie took off Stan's shoes and felt his heart break when he saw that his brother wasn't wearing socks. His feet were full of blisters and calluses, and they stink to high heaven. This wasn't a normal foot smell, this was something seriously wrong foot smell. Shermie saw plantar warts all over the bottom of his feet, and many of them were scabbed over and some even looked infected. And then there was the start of frostbite on his toes. It wasn't too bad, but any little thing was a concern when it came to Stan. Shermie put some of the antibiotic ointment on the worst of Stan's feet, and then he tucked his feet into the blanket, just to get started on getting them warmed up. He wished his brother would wake up, just so he could figure out just what was going on with him. 
At the same time, he wished Ford would stop moving for five minutes and just let himself get some sleep. Ford sat for just those few minutes at the start, and then he threw himself into helping Stan. Shermie appreciated it, because he didn't think he'd be able to do any of this without Ford's help, but for the past several hours they'd just been sitting around idly, having done all they could do. It was just a waiting game now. There was no reason why Ford shouldn't sleep, except for his apparent fear of it. Sometime during the night, sometime close to dawn, Stan started shifting and whimpering in his sleep. Shermie put a hand on his brother's unhurt shoulder to keep him still. He didn't want his brother to roll over onto his burn. Lay, you gotta hold still, okay? Just for a minute. Stan grimaced in his sleep and shied away from his touch. Shermie was hurt and concerned about his brother. I'm not going to hurt you, Stan. Shermie said. Can you wake up for me? Please. Jeff. Stan muttered. He tried to push himself up, but Shermie held him still. There was no reason why Stan couldn't move, but Shermie didn't want him to do it when he was half asleep and not fully aware of his injury. He could hurt himself. Lolo me go. I'm not letting you go. Shermie said. He tried to be comforting and reassuring, but Stan stiffened and tried to get away from him. Shermie sighed. And sat on the bed, pulling his brother close. What was he supposed to do? Stan, please, it's just me. It's Shermie. Stan. Ford stepped into the room, blankets in his arms. He looked relieved. Is he awake? Stan stilled. His eyes eased open and he turned his head towards the door. Ford. His voice was full of desperation and longing. It shouldn't hurt, but it did. Stan had been burned by Ford, literally, but it sounded like he was the one he wanted. He didn't trust Shermie, shying away from him. Shermie didn't blame him, but it still hurt. Ford came towards them. Shermie stepped aside to make room for him. Ford carefully helped Stan sit up, watching out for his shoulder. Are you in pain? Is there something I can do? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm fine. Stan said. He looked at Ford like he couldn't believe he was there. He looked at his twin for a long minute before he looked over his shoulder, freezing when he saw Shermie. You're, I thought you were, I'm sorry. Don't worry about it. Shermie sat at the edge of the bed. I'm just glad to see you doing better. Now came the job of making sure Stan was okay. Ford was still just worried about the burn. As far as he was concerned, nothing else was wrong. Do you need some pain relief or something? His hand lingered over Stan's shoulder. Stan rolled his eyes and swatted his hand away. He rolled his shoulder, only grimacing slightly. Nah, don't worry about it. Stan said. I've had worse. Ford looked just as horrified as Shermie felt, though he didn't know if it was for the exact same reason. See can you not feel it? Ford asked. Were your nerves burned off? How often have you trusted people who have hurt you? Shermie asked quietly. 
both of his brothers looked at him with wide eyes. I it was an accident. Ford said. This is different. Stan said quickly. He sounded like he was trying to convince himself. I, I hurt Ford first. This is just settling the score or something. Ford looked like he was going to be sick. You, Stanley. You don't honestly think that getting burned somehow makes up for what happened with West Coast Tech, do you? Stanley flinched and folded in on himself. He looked at Ford with wide eyes, and then glanced around the room, like he was looking for a way out. W what else did you want me to do? Shermie would almost prefer his brothers started fighting again, throwing the blame at each other. It made him sick to hear his confidant, self-serving brother be so desperate to placate someone else. Shermie didn't even know if his brother was doing this because he was that desperate to have Ford back in his life and on his side, or if he was scared of being hurt again and was trying to placate the one he saw as a threat. Wah, nothing. Ford's eyes were slightly glazed. He was distancing himself from this. I'm still mad at you, but that doesn't mean I hate you. It doesn't mean I want you to be hurt. You, you know that, don't you? Stan was quiet for a long moment. Ford's hands were shaking again. Don't you? I don't know what you want me to say. Stan said. You haven't talked to me in ten years. I made one mistake, and you turned your back on me. The only reason you want me here now is because I could be useful to you, and I almost messed that up too. Stan closed his eyes and brought a hand towards his shoulder. You probably saw that coming though, huh? You're the smart one. You had to know that the only thing I'm good at is screwing everything up. Ford stared at Stan like it was the first time he was seeing him. He looked shocked and terrified. Shermie realized that this might be the first time that Ford had heard his twin talk about himself like that. After what Shermie had heard from Ford, he knew that this was a revelation, and probably an unwanted reminder of just how similar they were. Ford didn't say anything, and Stan took that chance to continue. He let out a humorless laugh and put on that performer's smile that was so practiced, but still so easy to see through. Why you know, the smartest thing you've ever done was probably to cut me loose. Get rid of the dead weight before you get suffocated. Ford made a choked sound, and both Shermie and Stan looked at him in alarm and concern. He had a hand pressed over his mouth as tears fell from his eyes. Ford was staring numbly ahead. I, I thought you were holding me down. Ford said more to himself than anything else. I thought that you knew you would never reach my heights, and that you were too afraid of making it on your own to even try. And maybe, maybe that was part of it, but maybe you holding me down could have saved me from my own hubris. Who what? Stan frowned. Shermie was frowning too. He wasn't very happy with Ford's language. As far as Shermie was concerned, Stan had never held Ford down. That implied that he was a burden, and something that was better to be gotten rid of. My sense of self-importance and pride. Ford clenched his fists. I've considered myself a modern-day Prometheus. Somebody who was destined to.
go down in history as being the person who changed the course of all mankind. Ford scoffed and shook his head. Instead I became the new Icarus. Ford's eyes flashed and he looked to the side. No, I'm worse than Icarus. He flew too close to the sun because he was exhilarated with the thrill. He was young, inexperienced, and thought that he was strong enough to overcome anything. His arrogance was his downfall. But I thought, I thought his demise was because he had reached the point of no return in his pursuit for higher achievements. He went so high that the thing that brought him that far couldn't take him anymore. I thought that Icarus had a choice, to keep going on his own merit, to overcome this additional adversity, or to give up because it was too hard and let himself fall. Ford buried his face in his hands. Icarus' story should be a cautionary tale, to warn arrogant young fools from reaching too high. But what I took away from it was that I should fly even higher. I saw it as a sign that I was even better and more impressive than the person who is known for falling because he thought he knew best. What kind of a fool does that make me? Shermie and Stan sat there for a long moment, neither of them knowing what to say to their brother to make him feel better. Ford just sat there, getting lost in his own head. Stan took a deep breath and put a hand on his twin's arm. Ford stiffened and seemed to stop breathing for a long moment, but he sighed and slowly moved his hand, putting it on Stan's. You would have kept me from going too high. Ford said. You've always grounded me, and I can't believe I saw it as a bad thing. You didn't want to be left behind, but I know you also didn't want me to hurt myself. I should have, I should have trusted you. You were the only person I could ever trust, and I let my ambition ruin that. Stan blinked. I don't get it. I thought you were mad at me and still blamed me. I do. Ford shook his head. And it's just another thing that I hate myself for. He squeezed his eyes shut tight. I've always been better when you're at my side, and I've always hated it. Stan flinched and tried to pull away from Ford, but he just tightened his grip on his hand. I thought it was a character flaw, or a sign of my weakness. How could I prove my worth when I relied on my little brother? It wasn't your fault. It was never your fault, but I felt like it was, and a part of me still does, and I feel like such an idiot. I'm supposed to be logical, but I can't get past something as simple as conflicting thoughts. Stan still looked confused. So, you're mad but you don't want to be? That is, a gross oversimplification. Ford said. But something like that, yes. Stan looked a little hesitant. And if you're still mad at me, is it because I do something wrong, and I make you mad at me, or because it's just a problem? Shermie narrowed his eyes at Stan. Ford just looked confused. It's a problem for me problem. Of course it is. My feelings aren't your responsibility. Shermie would have rolled his eyes, because this was an uncharacteristic amount of emotional maturity from Ford. He knew it wouldn't last. Stan and Ford would be right back to fighting soon. Right now they were just too tired, and they were running on fumes. When they were well rested and acting more like themselves. He wanted to ask Ford where this new attitude had suddenly come from, 
but there was something else he was worried about. Stanley, you didn't answer my question before. Shermie said gently but sternly. Have you trusted people after they've hurt you? Stan shifted uncomfortably, and Ford finally lowered his hands and looked at his twin. And. Have they blamed you? Saying that they wouldn't have had to hurt you if you hadn't upset them. It was just a shot in the dark. Shermie didn't know if his brother had been hurt, but he was worried. He hadn't had any idea how Stan had been living these past several years, but he'd had nightmares. A fair amount of those horrible thoughts had been about Stan trusting the wrong person and getting hurt. Stan tried to pretend otherwise, but he wore his heart on his sleeve. If people showed him kindness, he opened himself up to them, and Shermie had spent years worrying about worst-case scenarios. Shermie wanted to be happy that Stan was putting his trust in Ford so easily after all that happened between them, but he was worried that this was a sign that his baby brother had done something similar to someone who had far more malicious intentions. Stan bit his inner lip and wouldn't look Shermie in the eye. It was enough. Shermie just wished he knew the details of what Stan had been through, and if there were people still out there who might try to hurt him. Shermie forced himself to refrain from interrogating his brother. Stan was looking okay now, but he had to be in pain, and was just doing his best to hide it. Now wasn't the time or place to figure out how he'd been hurt. Shermie needed to focus on making sure his injuries were taken care of. Stan had gotten sleep, but he needed food. And a bath. And a pair of socks. We'll talk about it later. Shermie said. He got up and grabbed the box of pizza, which still had four or so pieces in it. Here. Eat something, and then we're going to get you cleaned up, because you're a mess. Do I even want to know when you last bathed? No, you don't. Stan said. He grabbed two of the slices, shoving half of them in his mouth. He practically moaned around the food. Man, I can't remember the last time I had pizza this good. Shermie felt his heart pang. This was an average pizza from some place that Shermie had driven past. It was far from high end. If Stan had just gotten the cheapest of stuff these past ten years, any fresh pizza, no matter how cold it was, would be a luxury. Ford was staring at Stan in confusion. He seemed to just be picking up on the little details about Stan that had been worrying Ford this whole time. What has your life been like this whole time? Stan shrugged and stuffed his mouth with another bite of pizza. It was unclear if he was trying to avoid the question, or if he was just really hungry. We'll catch up later. Shermie said. He put his hand on Stan's arm, frowning when his brother cringed and pulled his food protectively closer, like he was worried that it was going to be taken from him. Hey, we need to get you something to drink. And we've got to get that burn looked at. Stan nearly pouted. It's fine. It won't stay that way if we don't keep an eye on it. Shermie said. Just let him have his way. Ford said. Trust me, our big brother is stubborn. You're not going to beat him. Stan rolled his eyes. Fine. He got up, with Ford reluctantly letting him go. Stan stumbled a little, but Shermie caught him.
Stay here and rest a bit. Shermy said to Ford. His brother opened his mouth, but Shermy didn't let him continue. Don't go telling me you can't sleep. I don't want to hear it. You don't have to sleep if you don't want to, but you need to relax, okay? I'll take care of Stan. I don't need to be taken care of. Stan pouted as Shermy led him out. I've missed out on taking care of you for ten years. Shermy tightened his grip on his brother. Just let me have this. Stan gave him an odd look. I thought you weren't going to take care of us anymore. Shermy's throat tightened. I thought so too, and then my baby brother disappeared off the face of the earth. I'll spend the rest of my life taking care of you guys if it means I know you're okay. He adjusted his grip on Stan so the hold was more like a tight embrace. You have no idea how worried about you I've been. I wish you'd just reached out to me. Stan fidgeted in his hold. I thought, you shouldn't have to clean up my messes. Shermy shook his head. His brothers were so alike. Ford said the same thing. Do you think I should leave him on his own too? Stan quickly shook his head. I thought so. Just let me take care of you, Stan. His brother was still for a long time before he sighed and slumped against Shermy. Just because I'm too sore and tired to fight you right now. I'll take it. Shermy said. Let's get you cleaned up, and hope that Ford gets some sleep while we're gone. Trust me, he needs it. There were still a lot of things that they needed to figure out, and his brothers still needed a lot of help, but Shermy was hopeful that things would look up from here. With all the disaster that had come today, there couldn't possibly be anything worse waiting for them.